The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Well, before we get into details and telling you who Mark Nutsch is and what he has done in his life, uh, and what he's experienced, we will ask Mr. Nutch, and we're all in studio this morning, to tell me about Horse Soldier Bourbon Whiskey. How, without going into too much into your background prior to this, how long have you been involved in Horse Soldier Bourbon Whiskey? Well, we uh, formed a company uh, in 2015, uh, a group of uh, six veterans. Some of us had served together in the Special Forces and one of the guy's wives. Uh, wanted to go into business together, and we got really excited about craft distilling. So we started that company, started learning about it. In 2015, we finally uh, released our bourbon uh, initially in 2018, coincided with the release of the Hollywood film 12 Strong that portrayed my Special Forces team's mission right after 9-11, where we were one of the first uh, Americans to hit the ground in Afghanistan after those horrific attacks. And uh, our team uniquely rode horseback for the first 24 days of our mission, working with the Northern Alliance factions, raised up a militia army, orchestrated an uprising, helped to arm and equip them, gather intelligence, all these other things uh, that we did. Uh, But we united three different ethnic factions and raised up a a militia army of of nearly 5,000 fighters, uh, 3,000 of them on horseback, and uh, orchestrated this uprising and by the 11th of November, we had liberated the main city. And a few days later, the six northern provinces. So our special forces team became known as the horse soldiers. So that's kind of the impetus and the, the military background of horse soldier bourbon. Uh, so I'm out here in, in Springfield uh, yesterday and today doing some uh, promotions, visiting uh, a couple of the local stores and some of the, the restaurants uh, that carry our double gold award-winning bourbons. We have three amazing bourbons. Uh, that have won some of the top uh, spirits competitions around the U.S. We're really proud of uh, the juice in those bottles. And uh, the bottles themselves are uniquely forged by World Trade Center steel because of our connection with uh, 9-11. Where where do you do this? Where do you do the bottling at? Uh, We're making it in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, our business has has grown very rapidly uh, since 2018. We're in 30 states now for distribution. We've been here in Illinois uh just under three years we it kind of got launched uh right as covid uh hit this region but uh the brand has just taken off and uh so i I travel nationally with uh several of my teammates uh from the special forces team that also work for our company and uh we do come in and do a whiskey and war stories or we'll do some bottle promotions activations things like that but uh it's great to be out here in springfield i haven't been here in in a couple years what, Mark Nutch, what were you doing uh, October 10th of 2001, the day before 9-11? Where were you at and what were you doing? And did you folks have a sense something may be happening? Uh, your question is about uh, September 10th. I'm sorry, September. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, September, September 10th. 10th. I apologize. So I uniquely had just uh, completed two years as a Special Forces Detachment Commander okay. based at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I had led uh, 
a 12-man team of Green Berets into the Middle East uh, half a dozen times on various training missions. Uh, and we even uniquely went into the former Soviet Republic for six months working with their special forces. Uh, my two years was up, as typically happens in the military, and I moved into a staff position. And uh, perhaps like many of, of, of your listeners, uh, I watched 9-11 from home on the TV. I had uh, two young stepsons and a wife that was a high-risk pregnancy. And by September 14th, um, I was recalled back to the team, mm. uh, called in to, to meet with the commander, and I was placed right back on my team. And on September 14th, we were informed that we would be the first 12-man team of, of Green Berets to deploy out from our unit. Uh, at that time, there were 45-man teams. Uh, we didn't fully know what the mission was going to be, uh, but we knew that we'd be conducting unconventional warfare where you work by, with, or through local partners. So we deployed out very quickly, and then we started to study uh, who those potential partners could be, the different ethnic leaders. We're, we're learning about the geography, the, the terrain, the geology, as much as we could, and read up about the history of that region. But, uh our, our team would work very closely with uh, a CIA team, and, and uh, they would insert a few nights before our team was then uh, flown in by helicopter. And the next morning, uh, uh, the CIA team linked us up with uh, uh, one of the, the initial partners, General Dostum, leader of the Uzbeks, and he come riding up with about 50 guys on horseback and had a meeting with us, and it just became a fire hose of information providing uh, information about the Taliban and the Al-Qaeda in, in that region of Afghanistan and, and some of the, the recent history and the fighting that had occurred. So through General Dostum, we met uh, other uh, ethnic leaders, uh, uh, the Hazara and then the Tajik leaders, and we didn't know the history of rivalries or alliances between them, the, the family ties, the, the grudges, all these other factors. But uh, we, we got these leaders to come together and sit in the same room uh, and and agree that they were stronger together. They each had independently been fighting the Taliban and, and got them to unite and uh, raised up this militia army of nearly 5,000 fighters and orchestrate this uprising across the, the northern provinces. So that's what Special Forces does is a force multiplier. Uh, you know, you represented the U.S. government there. Even my young sergeants, uh, they, they only they referred to all of us as commanders. And we're advising uh, these these leaders at different levels. Uh, we did something pretty high risk. We split our team up into three man cells, and we put these three guys, uh, these three Green Berets, out with an Afghan commander who would have between three hundred to seven hundred fifty fighters, and we put them in basically different counties. And uh, we ended up with four of those cells like that. And uh, one of my communication sergeants and I would move back and forth between them with the resistance leadership, and everybody was moving on horseback at that point. So I don't know if any of your listeners uh, ride horses, but uh, they do not give you the good horse. Uh, <laughs> there was a, They made great sport out of giving us some pretty rank uh, stallions, and the guys just did an amazing job learning how to ride uh, under those conditions. But, uh, Mark Dutch, where in your background leading up to this commitment and involvement you had did you realize that what you have is something special? You may not want to admit that, but the rest of us listening to this story is not something every person can do. What about your raising up your young, when you were in school, high school, college, yeah. made you this type of person? Uh, I grew up in a very close, large family. Uh, 
uh, lots of cousins, lots of aunts and uncles. Uh, both my grandparents uh, on both sides of the family were the my grandfathers were World War II veterans. They had survived World War II, and and uh, some of my uncles had gone into the military service through the seventies. They were Vietnam veterans, and and even in the eighties. But uh, you know, I, they both uh, families were farmers and ranchers. And I grew up in North Central Kansas. Uh, high school, uh, I rodeoed all the way through junior high, high school, and and even at the college level, rodeoing and showing horses. We were very active in 4-H and FFA, those kind of youth youth organizations. But uh, just that spirit of, of independence, perseverance, uh, sheer stubbornness, refusal to quit. Uh, is paid off in so many ways. That's what got me through some of the Army's toughest training. Uh, I was a, a commissionee through the ROTC program at Kansas State University. Uh, I was on the six-year plan, you know. <laughs> it took me six to, to get through there, worked my way through college. A lot of, again, a lot of lessons in, in resilience and perseverance and, and failure, you know, uh, uh, but keep, keep trying. And uh, that got me then into the infantry and uh, through the, the Army's demanding ranger school. And I served for a couple of years in the 101st as a, as a platoon leader. And, and then I went on to uh, uh, into the, more into the special operations. I got to go to the, the ranger regiment and be a platoon leader in, in the ranger battalion. And uh, then that was my introduction where I wanted to be in special operations and, and finally went on further again, tried out for special forces. But, you know, that they make you want to quit in a lot of ways. Sure. You know? uh, it's not easy. You know, uh, less than uh, 50% of us, uh, I think the statistics are 25 to 50% of us will pass through the course. And uh, it's just, you know, I'm not the fastest runner. Uh, I'm not the strongest guy. Uh, but it's just that, that I think that heart and that, that stubbornness and refusal of we are going to get this done. And you just keep pushing yourself. Uh to, to beyond what you think your limits are. That's what they taught us through all that training is to keep pushing yourself. And that all paid off on, on this uh, uh, extreme combat mission. I mean, it tested you in every way, physically, mentally, emotionally, the isolation, the, the weight of America's foreign policy, if you will. There was no one outside the handful of about 20 Americans on the ground that could tell you how to survive the day. Not the policymakers, not the generals. And so really it was from the bottom up. You're at the point of the spear. You are gathering this information uh, that you're putting that up in countless reports. And it helps to inform the policymakers about who we can work with, what could be done. And just the presence of Americans there in that hardship, uh, you know, we're we're only getting uh, two to four hours of sleep a night. Uh, We're burning immense calories. We're sleeping outdoors. It's winter. We got snowed on every environmental condition that you could experience from freezing cold to beautiful uh, sunny days. But my teammates and I lost 20 to 25 pounds of body weight in that first month. Uh, so it's an incredible weight loss plan. Uh, but, uh, incredible. Yeah. Just, just a team of guys that are, that are empowered and resourced. Uh, they understand, you know, the, the mission. And uh, uh, we're totally committed to that. It may surprise you that uh, our average age was 32. Wow. You know, we weren't young guys yeah. in special forces. We averaged eight years' time in service already. Five of the guys were already combat veterans. And uh, it just, uh, you know, trusting and empowering them as a leader, they understood the left and right limits, the rules of engagement, what they could do, relying on each other uh, out there, taking incredible risk uh, to accomplish that mission. But every one of us were honored to be a part of it. We, 
you know, we felt we were the right team, right place, and the guys that could get this very, very tough, challenging job done. So a lot of those lessons uh, that we learned from the military, we, we take into our business now as, as veteran owners. Uh, several of us from that team are, uh, are uh, uh, co-founders of Horse Soldier Bourbon. There were six of us that served in the special operations community and one of the guy's wives. So, uh, uh, you know, for as veterans transitioning, that's, that's a hard thing to do. It's, it's another daunting chapter in your life where you're taking on what next. That was our past. That was our military history that was very unique. But now we're, we're growing our business and, and using those lessons every day, working with our distributor partners, uh, Breakthrough Beverage here in, uh, in Illinois and, and Gallo, that's our strategic partner uh, nationally. I want to make sure we're running out of time and I don't want to uh, what are your plans the rest of the day? Are you going to be at certain locations? Um, you can tell us, or we can ask somebody. Go yeah, ahead. we're going to be at uh, High V uh, okay. here in Springfield, Illinois, uh, today, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Right. For, for a special event there. I invite folks to come on out and see us. Uh, we'll be doing a little bottle signing and, and bourbon tasting in there. Okay. We, uh, we got three different award-winning bourbons, so not, no bad choices there. Uh, we got, uh, a, a young three-year-old high rye bourbon that is one of our most awarded bourbons. And then we got two weeded bourbon offerings, our, our barrel strength and, uh, uh, then a small batch that is at 95. Proof. So you're going to convince me to all the, you know, matter what the Kentucky Derby says, all the good bourbon is not produced in Kentucky. That's, that is excellent marketing. You know? <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. You know, congressionally, bourbon can be made anywhere in the United States of America. It's just got to be made a certain way, right? And using certain ingredients, more than 51% corn, brand new uh, white oak barrels every time, and, and some other aspects of that. But yeah, that, that's the good Kentucky marketing. And, and we're really proud to be a part of that going forward. Uh, in the next three years, we're building out the Horse Soldier Bourbon Distillery in Somerset, Kentucky. There you got it. And so uh, we're excited about opening that in the summer of 2026. Uh, we'll be in southeastern Kentucky, about an hour and a half south of Lexington, and we will be the southern or southeastern gateway on the Bourbon Trail. So I invite folks to come see us, horsesoldierbourbon.com. Check us out. I've got a minute and 30 seconds. Were you ever afraid? Every day. Every day. That's the mentality you had to have. Uh confident but uh you know being aware of what's going to kill you today that that you can maybe mitigate and, and some of those things and just a lot of unknowns you know from that horse you're riding on to uh the 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 maneuver and combat that was occurring uh riding horses in that terrain the cliffs we rode at night we swam rivers uh i had a horse uh, almost fall off of a cliff and i managed to get out of the saddle and you know there were so many things that could kill you there's mines can i trust the people next to me the enemy. There's so many things of just just being resilient, being confident, being aware, uh, and trusting your teammates. Thank you. Is so inappropriate for your service um, to you, our country. Thank you so much. Thank you. It thank has been an honor. Uh, we hope people come out and see you tonight and visit with you out at the High V, six p.m. Is that right? That's correct. And they can sample some of the bourbon. Yes, sir. Very good. Thanks for stopping by today. Hey, thanks, sir. My, thanks for having my me. pleasure. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.